0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Thursday, July 15th. We have made it not only to the middle of July, brothers and sisters, we've made it to the middle of summer. And, uh, you know, I'm going to use my wife's words this morning. Uh, If you have not uh, sat down and decided, hey, these are the things I want to get done this summer. It's time to start doing that because our summer is now, it's no longer waxing, it's going to begin to wane uh, as we move uh, into this last half. But I uh, hope wherever you are, whenever you listen to this again, I wish you God's grace and goodness and, and I hope and pray you realize how close our God is to you this day. We are going to uh, read a, a short gospel, reading a very famous passage from Matthew today. It will follow exactly behind what we uh, listened to yesterday. So it's a short one, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. So let's break open what God has for us through Matthew today. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is a gospel verse that, that, brothers and sisters, I hope in hearing it, you hear uh, the, the assurance. Um, may it give you not only peace, but hope. Uh, I, I really do uh, find this one easy, I think, easier, maybe that's a better word, to say praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, because it is so hopeful. Um, now, now, the first part doesn't start out that way, so let's be honest. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are who labor and are burdened. Brothers and sisters, nowhere in the gospel, and, and we need to, to remember this, uh, This is, we do not believe in a gospel that says, if you follow all the right moral teachings and you do it correctly, you will be um, gifted with riches and an easy life, and you will not meet with illness or sickness. Uh, No, we don't believe in a prosperity gospel, brothers and sisters. I don't think that's the truth. I think the truth is we live in the midst of storms. And, uh, And I think our God in Jesus Christ is too much of a realist to promise anything different that even in loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, even in putting him as our foundation before all these other things that we've been talking about the last couple of days, doesn't mean um, we are promised or we are even, uh, that, that Jesus even suggests that uh, our lives will be easy. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened. Uh, in, in the uh, colloquial words of the 70s, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. <laughs> okay, terrible quote. God love you. Um, but, uh, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Why? Because we look at what life looked like for him. Here's the one who did it all correctly, who fulfilled the letter. And, and, and the, the You know, he said, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it in its fullness sense. Uh, you know, and he did that. And what happened to him? He was despised and hated, right? And, and ultimately led off to be crucified. Remember, my friends, we are baptized and dipped into uh, those waters of baptism and we, and we die to ourselves and we come up another Christ. Of course, um, what the things that, that took place, if we live as Christ lived and Christ lives in us, the more we say yes to that, the more we are going to meet with, with similar opposition. That, isn't that what we talked about two days ago, right? I did not come for peace but a sword. Uh, because if we truly, if, if we say yes to Christ living with us, or the more we do, the more that is going to bring hardship in your life. So here's, but here's the opposite side of the coin, what Jesus is saying. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. I know you live in a life that, that, that labors. I know you're going to meet opposition. I know you're going to be coming up against a sword and division. I know there are going to be burdens that, that, that meet you. There are going to be walls. There are going to be storms in your midst. But you know what? Come to me because I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm humble, meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What's he talking about there? I am not a farmer. I am not a rancher. I am a minister. And uh, even that is only on my better days. Um, here's what I know. A yoke, and, and remember, Jesus was a carpenter. So this is, this is coming. He's talking to an agrarian people. They're going to understand this. Uh, a yoke of oxen are two oxen together, pulling a plow, right? To make sure they're pulling in the same direction, what an effective carpenter or farmer will do is they will measure the oxen to make sure that the yoke, which is, is that which is put over their their head and, their shoulder, and, and, and it rests upon their shoulders, uh, to make sure that it fits them well, that it doesn't chafe them, it doesn't scrape them. It doesn't lead them with any undue burden. And the yoke for the one oxen on the left is going to fit differently than the yoke for the one oxen on the right because they are different, different oxes, right? And they're going to have their own frame. And, and the effective farmer or the effective carpenter doing this for the farmer is going to measure each one of them to make sure it fits them and, again, uh, fits them to their, uh, to their, their circumstance. That's what Jesus is saying here to you and I, is he says, listen, I know you and I know how you're measured. I know how big your shoulders are. I know what gifts you carry. I know what direction I'm inviting you to go. And I've made this yoke perfect. I've measured you and I've made this yoke perfectly to fit you. You know, we uh, we say often we hear anyway, even if we don't say, "Hey, God has a plan for your life." Um, and and you know, that's just not something I necessarily uh, say a lot for. I, I do, but I do think there's truth in it. I I do think that that we have to participate within that. God isn't going to do anything without our will, right? And and what our our Task in life is every day, every moment. Perhaps is to say, "Okay, Lord, not my will, but yours." I wanna, I wanna make a. Uh, I want your will to be the lens through which uh, I view the world. I want to say, "Yes, we have to participate." God will not bestow any plan on us, but we have to desire God's plan for us. We have to say yes, and the more we do that, the more that yoke fits us perfectly. The more we want to go in our own way, that yoke is going to chafe because we're trying to we're trying to go off in a different way and and that whole idea remember a yoke of oxen is two oxen right plowing together making sure we're going in the same direction well who's the other ox that's next to us well it's our god right it's jesus christ and the more we can make sure our will is the same as his we are plowing in the same direction and that yoke doesn't chafe. I mean really, God does have a plan for us. And what that is 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 it's unique to you, it's unique to me because God measures us and knows us so well. And where your yoke of oxen with Christ is going to plow is different than where my yoke of oxen with Christ is going to plow and it's different from somebody else's yoke and 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 oxen and where they're going to plow because Christ knows us and measures us and knows our gifts and invites us all into our unique plans. But to the extent that we do not participate and say yes to him, but say yes to our own will and our own agenda, that yoke is going to chafe. And there are things that are going to, um, uh, they're pulling in an opposite direction. And ultimately we have to surrender, right? We have to surrender. You know, it takes me to that image of Peter, when Peter is um, walking on the water, right? And uh, and to the extent that he's looking at Christ, he's able to do the impossible. But to the extent that he's looking elsewhere, now he's looking at the waves and fear overcomes him. But sometimes in our view, in our looking, we're not looking necessarily at the waves. Maybe we're looking at our desires or what is going to make me look good or making it something you know that 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 is the easier way, whatever it is, and we're looking away from Christ, and we begin to sink, and and in that sinking, you know that chafing and that fear and that that tripping, that 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 stumbling happens. Uh, our God never promises a, us a life free from toil. But he does promise to be with us in the midst of it. Come to me, all you who labor in a burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, because it fits you and it fits me perfectly question, and again, one that we have to mull on every day, um, is, is will I participate uh, in this? Will I continue to say yes to Christ so that we are in the mansion? You know, today is a feast day as well. Yesterday was St. Kateri a, uh, Today is St. Bonaventure. Now, Bonaventure, you may say, you know, I don't know anything about Bonaventure. And, and certainly we, we know the name. Uh, I mean, how do you not know a name, Bonaventure? But, but we may not know about, much about him. Let me tell you something. Bonaventure, one of the brilliant minds of our church. In fact, he is a doctor, uh, coined the serific doctor, serific uh, meaning the, the face of an angel, um, or, or maybe the wisdom of an angel. Now get this, brothers and sisters, this is the crazy part. Bonaventure was born in 1221. Thomas Aquinas, was born in 1225. They both died in 1274, within three months, four months of each other. I think uh, Aquinas uh, passed away in March and uh, in Bonaventure in July because we celebrate his today. Um, two, both are doctors of the church. Uh, and we're talking only 30-ish, I want to say 34 doctors within a, in the life of the church over 2,000 years. Both of them taught at the University of Paris, both brilliant minds, both had to know each other, and both established theologies, ecclesiology, structures of, of viewing God and grace and mercy and, and life within the church. And both are different. Both are different. I, I mean, amazing. It's amazing. Um, I, I just think how was the Spirit working? in the middle of the 13th century, that both these brilliant minds were at work uh, and and how incredible the spirit had to be moving. So Bonaventure, um, born uh, and and influenced by Francis. In fact, Bonaventure is a Franciscan. Um, And uh, and, uh, they both, again, uh, brilliant mind, brilliant mind. He became a Franciscan. Early in life, I want to say, so Francis was only alive about five years. Francis died when Bonaventure was four or five. Uh, there's tradition. There's a tale that says Bonav- or Francis healed uh, and, and Bonaventure when he was a boy. I don't know if that's real or not. But there was something about the life of Francis and the Franciscan order that attracted Bonaventure. He joined at an early age, and, uh, and they, they saw early how brilliant his mind was sent him off for his studies, and he went and he was teaching at the University of Paris again on or around the time that Aquinas was teaching there. And uh, But later, he was called by the order back to be the, uh, the, the general of the order, of the Franciscan order, at a time that it was very uh, difficult because the, the Franciscan order was, was fracturing. Uh, Francis was an incredible person. But he had no desire to write down what his, uh, his legacy would be and what the Franciscans were to be. In fact, at the end of his life, and, and he was death, he let those Franciscans on and said, I've done what was meant to do. It's Christ's to do. I've done I do. You know what he's used to do. That's not the way of, of keeping an order together. Because this person may say, well, here's what's mine to do. And the next person, the follower of Francis, may say, here's what's mine to do. And the other person may have a different idea. And they're all going in different ideas, and they're all calling themselves Franciscan. You know? How do you order the other? When it's, uh, it's center thinner? Uh, do you know how you would You call Bonaventure. And uh, Bonaventure, again, This was so this was a number of years. And the, and the order is fracturing. Afterward, he comes in. And what he does in a sense, I'm going to use a word here, and I'm not sure it's the best word, he codifies the life and teachings of Francis into what we now say is the Franciscan order and and what we view as the the Franciscans. Now, I'm going to use an example, not a perfect example, but I think it's a good one. A friend asked me one time, this was years and years ago, Joe, are we... uh, more Christian as a church, or are we more Pauline, meaning followers of Christ or followers of Paul? And the answer, of course, is yes. <laughs> we're both and, right? Because Jesus, of course, we're followers of Jesus Christ. He's a of who are. Uh, but he had no desire to write down uh, his teachings and everything. He simply went about doing it. He taught with his life, uh, but it was Bonavent, or excuse me, it was Paul who helped kind of codify and set that in through his letters to those churches in Thessalonica and Ephesus and uh, and Rome and Galatia and uh, you know all those places, right? And so he helped us kind of codify what does it mean to live this Christian lifestyle. Think that same example, brothers and sisters, with francis and bonaventure francis had no desire to write down what that that franciscan lifestyle and legacy looked like he simply went out and lived it and he preached with his life as as he said you know preach the gospel at all times if necessary use words well but it was fracturing because you know people were saying well which part do we go to and bonaventure helped codify around that he was an incredibly, incredibly brilliant man, and, and he came up with a, th- a theology uh, through this Franciscan lens of the world, and uh, and it was interesting because, again, that's exactly what Aquinas was doing at the same time in what we call this these Middle Ages, that Aquinas was was coming up with a theology of church and where we needed to go, and Bonaventure was doing the same thing through the eyes of Franciscan theology. Both are very different than each other, and ultimately the church in the, in, around the Council of Trent chose the, the scholastic view, view of the world and theology, which was um, more through Aquinas and ultimately through Augustine. Uh, but had they chose the Franciscan, they would have gone through Bonaventure and done Scotus, both of who are doctors in the church, by the way, and, and, and so it's not like the church just has, well, if Aquinas said it, that's what it is. If Augustine said it, that's the way it is. No, there are people that look at it and say, if Bonaventure said it, this is, this is also a way that, that we view the church. And it's different than how Aquinas did. And that creates that huge, that big umbrella of Catholicism that Francis talks about, meaning Pope Francis, uh, or, or the G.K. Chesterton talks about, or, or all these wonderful uh, solid ground Catholic teachers that say there are many different views of, of what it means to be Catholic. And, and Bonaventure and, and Aquinas are two of those pillars. And, uh, and ultimately, I mean, that's, that's the legacy of Bonaventure. Uh, after he was general of the Franciscan order and codified it and solidified it and reformed it, they invited him, uh, the the Pope invited him to be a bishop, where he was only for a year or two, uh, and then he died suddenly in uh, 1274 at the age of 53. Uh, Again, brilliant, and not only brilliant, but a kind and gentle and warm man, and it comes through in his teachings. How wonderful, brothers and sisters, that we can celebrate Thomas Aquinas and his brilliance and, and the same church celebrates Bonaventure and his brilliance and kindness. And the two uh, lived at the same time and saw the world similarly and differently. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? This is how good our God is and how good our church is. And we maybe this is exactly what our church needs today, that we can see the church similarly and differently and celebrate that because you know what? That's what Aquinas and Bonaventure did. So good. Let's pray. Um, we uh, continue through our luminous mysteries today. And, uh, and let's just trust and bring everything to God who, uh, who, who knows what we need, right? Knows our yoke. He's measured us. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fourth luminous mystery, the transfiguration. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Mm -hmm. Saint uh, Bonaventure, pray for us. My friends, blessings on the rest of this Thursday, the middle of summer. Have a wonderful and faith-filled and joy-filled day. God's peace.